Content warning for discussion of substance abuse. Hello, you're listening to the Billy Shears Club. I'm Caleb Clark. I'm Caroline Welton. And thanks for joining in. Today we've got two lovely albums for you folks. We have Paradise Theater by Styx and Floodland by Sisters of Mercy. Uh, Caroline, how about you go ahead and start us off with a little bit about the band known as Styx. Alrighty, thanks so much. So, uh, Paradise Theater is the 10th album by the rock band Styx, um, released in 1981, I believe. This was actually their most commercially successful album. It was number one for three weeks straight on the Billboard list. Um, And it was also, I think, their fourth album to be certified triple platinum. Um, And four singles from the album also charted... Um, so this was really popular, and I think this is a fun album, even though it is, like, a little cheesy, it does lean a little toward, um, arena rock, some more smooth, maybe more commercialized rock than, um, prog rock or whatnot that Styx may have sort of started out with, um... But this is a concept album, so it's an account, kind of a historical account. You may notice that the first track is called AD 1928, and the last track is called AD 1958, and that is the timeline during which this theater called the uh, Chicago Paradise Theater was open in, well, in Chicago, and the songs on the album kind of tell the story of the theater, but also just American culture uh, represented by the theater during this time period. Um, And you can kind of hear um, that in the themes um, in the different songs. And so I think that's super cool. Concept albums are really great. So that is my intro. What did did you think of the album uh, listening through? Yeah, Yeah, that was a really good intro. I did like the concept. I will say I've, I've had an established history with sticks, including on the podcast, and uh, I'm a little, I'm a little divided on it. Like, I think overall it was a pretty nice time. I part of it might just be like me having that previous history of not being as big of a fan, and like this is definitely a better album than the previous I heard from Sticks. Huh? But there are like uh-huh. a lot of really legitimately good moments. It's just it's like a. It's like a nice uh, overall album. It's an interesting concept, and the way, the way that they handle the things is often a very like you know, thought provoking. Although I, I, we can get into this. I'm not sure how often the theory itself came up. You might need to point those out to me because I wasn't sure sometimes. But overall, yeah, I know that's fair. So what? Oh no, I had one more like general question, I guess. What um insofar as you said you liked this album maybe a little bit more than previous Styx album, what do you think was different about it that made it appeal to you a little bit more? Yeah, so the other two albums that I had listened to previously were Grand Illusion, which was like Styx right when they broke into the mainstream. And like you were saying, it was more on the prog side. And then the other one was a cornerstone where they had just figured out the Rhodes organ. I think it had, had my memory serves, and it 
with a lot more of the sort of sappy ballads. I definitely mm-hmm. like the smiles better than Cornerstone because that one was kind of it was kind of a boring album. And then I will say gotcha. between End Illusion and Paradise Theater, I we can get into it. I sort of felt Grand Illusion was more ambitious and complex sounding, and I mm-hmm. and I thought that their writing was a bit more in their element when they were going for more of the broad philosophical stuff. It was on Grand gotcha. Illusion. Mm-hmm. But also, I thought that the lyrics were a lot better here, and they were able to actually execute the concept pretty well. And also, quite frankly, the there was no song on here that like annoyed me as much as, say, "Angry Young Man" or "Miss America." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I got you. Very cool. Yeah. yeah so, you want to go through the album and talk about the songs a little bit? Yeah, sure thing. Okay, so I guess starting off, um, some one thing I do really appreciate about this album um, is how the uh, intro fades into the first track. I think is really cool because it's sort of, um, I always think of it as like, oh, you have your intro and then you're entering into the time machine or whatnot, um, and then you go into. Um, Rock in the Paradise, which is kind of the main theme. Obviously, Paradise is referring to the Paradise Theater and um, the little musical motive, like, in the paradise, da, 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 kind of shows up in a couple of other songs. I think it's kind of in, um, it's like at the end of Halfpenny, Twopenny, and I think it's also in Nothing Ever Goes As Planned. You kind of hear that motive a little bit. So I think that sets it up really well for what the theme of the album will be. And it's also just a fun song. Um, something I always appreciate in a song is like good beat, fun lyrics, and like the melody kind of like is catchy or at least not like completely forgettable. Yeah, I definitely really like that. I did think it was a really good intro. He got AD 1928 that was has sort of the old timey piano and it's Yeah. And it's like sort of the, there's a lot of trepidation in it about this venture, you know, like, will we be able to make history? Will we make it through all this? And then it goes, starts, you know, kicking butt and taking names on Rock in the Paradise, where it's got all the guitar. Yeah. Uh-huh. That was definitely, a, the transition was definitely one of the best parts. Like, when I was listening at first, I thought like, wow, this is, I, I legitimately thought this was like one track and not, you know, like two separate tracks, which it, it sort of is, but it's like, it was a really fun transition. I will say uh-huh. my one thing with Rock in the Paradise is that I don't know how much I buy Dennis the Young as like a voice of a generation rebel against authority type person, but other than that, that's a fun song. That's fair, that's fair, yeah. I don't I'm, know. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's interesting you said that, because I'm just thinking, I don't think I tend to... Are you saying like the Young as a person, like embodying the voice of a generation? Or his like vocal qualities yeah more of his vocal qualities and also and i guess like a little bit the lyrics like you know it i don't know there's just like a level that with i know it seems like there's like a level of i would say i guess not as much level but the form of you know just complexity and artifice that it takes to be, you know, 
sort of prog rock and arena rock does tend to make it harder to, you know, connect as much on an emotional level unless you're getting really depressing like Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. That that sort of separation that made it a little mm-hmm. like like I was listening and it's like, yeah, the beats and they're like, woo, and it is like he's trying to be like, we're gonna take the power back from the man. It's like Oh, you're not in this video. Yeah, okay, I got you. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. It uh-huh. al- it also it also doesn't help that the next album is the is the Kilroy was here. Yeah, no. Definitely a lot more angsty there. Like you believe they're gonna take it back, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Yeah, it's I this I don't think um Paradise Theater is a super serious album. Like it's a good shot for what it what it's worth, but it's not like actual anthems or anything. I don't know. Yeah. I do, um, I think, I don't have a lot to say about too much time on my hands to move on, but, um, I do think it's interesting how, um, given that this is supposed to be kind of a historical survey, they will throw references in to, like, time going on and, like, changing and such, which I think you mentioned earlier that they don't reference the theater a lot, which is an interesting point. Um, and I think throughout the actual album, they're kind of talking more metaphorically. They're using the theaters like, whoa, changing culture, and what are the people doing? And I think um, this song kind of exemplifies that. Because you can imagine it all taking place in the theater, which I think is what I did when I listened to this album, I was like, oh yeah, they're like in the theater, you know, like singing the song or whatever. Um, but it's a good like explanation of the culture, I guess. I don't really know how you read it, but. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely, yeah, I read it more on the changing cultures side, partly because like I was looking at the Wikipedia article and it was saying like, it meant this as like, talking about the changes from the 70s into the 80s. Huh? And just like, reflecting because a lot of the things on the album that we'll get into sort of talk about uh, stereotypical vices of the 80s that are honestly pretty prevalent as uh-huh. like you know the conception of middle class american culture since like the end of world war ii to whatever but like very much 80s like a mainly the greed and self-absorption and ennui yeah like and so like I sort of took that as the metaphor more than the literal theater, but it comes up later on, and we can get to that. Yeah, absolutely. Too much, too much time on my hands. I thought it was really well written. I thought that they did a pretty good job of setting this really angsty, bored figure, but also I'm not sure how, if they know how the phrase, is it any wonder that blank works? Because it's like, they always say, like, uh huh. Let me, let me pull up the lyrics so I can quote directly. Is it any wonder I'm not crazy? Is it any wonder I'm saying it all? Because, like, I think what they were trying to say on those lines was that he is crazy and he's not sane, but by saying, is it any wonder that I'm not crazy, he's saying that, well, it's pretty obvious why I'm not crazy, because... Like, uh, you're right. I'm surrounded by the meaninglessness of entertainment and boredom. It's like... 
which is a shame because the, the scenarios that they set up are very vivid and very evocative and well said. Uh huh. It's like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> that it was good like uh, is it just me or does the chorus seem slightly billy joelish no i can see that i mean mm -hmm. the like kind of piano rock i guess has a similar vibe to his like metal period music kind of yeah mostly it's the part where it's like it is taking away my sanity kind of sounds like the big shot voice yeah dude you're right yeah. Oh, that's that. that's interesting. Yeah. It's still a nice song. It's still decent. It's still good. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing ever goes as planned. It's so it really doesn't. <laughs> you know, it's a heck of a notion. Yup, yup. Sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. You had, you had witticisms. Those always take priority. <laughs> yeah, nothing ever goes as planned. I feel like the verses were really good because it's like, again, it does actually do a good job of setting up these scenarios of, you know, sort of Allison Morissette, Alanis Morissette, irony situations where trying to have everything go all right and then something, suddenly everything goes wrong, like, you know, going on vacation and then suddenly there's rainstorms, all this stuff. But then the chorus is just so on the nose, where it's literally just them saying, nothing ever goes as planned over uh -huh. and over again. And then there's that really repetitive horn line. That that sort of took me out of it a little bit. But otherwise, the yeah. verses were good. The chorus, yeah. Uh-huh. No, that's that fair. I am maybe just kind of basic, because I really like the chorus on this one. <laughs> like I don't disagree with you like theoretically that like yeah it's not like super great but I was just like bopping out to it <laughs> um I just I, I am a simple woman I, I bop head to repetitive trumpet line <laughs> um but I do agree with you that the verse is really good I, I do like since they're kind of trying to go for the what's life like you know what are the themes we're dealing with it's the verses do a good job kind of making making it vivid and realistic um yeah and i think that's really good so i i do like that definitely yeah and i wouldn't which I wouldn't be... sorry go ahead. go ahead go ahead i was moving on so you finish oh, oh i was just gonna say i think I think I would like the, I did like the sax a little at the end, if I could hear it a little bit more. I will say on the brass oh. line, I think I would, I think I would like the brass part if it like had two measures that looped instead of just the one measure. Then, That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. That was nice. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Yeah. They should have, they should have hired you to write it. <laughs> I slap these Chicago boys around. Listen to me. <laughs> oh man! I'm Phil Spector. I won't be respected. <laughs> exactly. 
Oh man. No, I was just gonna say it's. I feel like there's kind of a back and forth that goes with the pairing of the songs, just in the order, because it goes from like nothing ever goes as planned to like the best of times, which isn't really about the best of times. Um, but you know, it's like the good and the bad kind of moving through it, which I think is clever. Um, and I also kind of. Um, moves you toward like oh like how do relationships with other people work which is like best of times lonely people and she cares are all kind of on that same theme I guess mm -hmm. um, which I just think is kind of fun yeah. I, I will admit on best of times I, I pretty much turned my brain off it was just let's see it's kind of like, you know, you got the nice little piano intro that connects it back to 80, 1928. Mm -hmm. That really big 80s movie, the guy finally getting the girl beach. You've got that big chorus. And I just, I just really like that. And like, I actually didn't pay any attention to the lyrics besides best of times. And so oh. that's how I live my life. That is valid. It is, it is a really fun song. And it does, you're, you're right, it has that fun little ragtime uh, motif thing. I can recognize musical motifs if they're really obvious. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> then after that, you get Lonely People, which I thought was probably the best written of the songs on here, like the, just the, first of all, it's the one where the, Paradise Theater itself comes back, and it's just sort of Dennis the Young fairly cursing the its demise because people stop going and how, you know, just thoughtless and self-absorbed everyone is, ignoring this beautiful place that's sort of just a metaphor for what he, you know, just sort of the good in life and society that's being, you know, let to rot by everyone. And it's like, honestly, pretty well composed. But also it has those really loud horns that just kind of like, ugh. Yeah. Too much. Yeah. The balance is maybe a bit, a bit much. <laughs> I'm listening to you pull your Randy Newman and then you're suddenly like, oh, like people. <laughs> it's true. What'd you, what'd you think of Lonely Pete? It's a good one. It's kind of an interesting thematic switch because it starts getting kind of more like a little bit more melancholy, I guess. Melancholy is a bad word because they're still all very upbeat songs. But, you know, it's like things are going downhill to the theater at this point, I feel. Um, and I do definitely agree that it's... Um, it's really well written. I it probably ties to the theater a little more explicitly, which is fun. I don't. This isn't honestly one of my favorite tracks. Maybe I just like the ones that sound cool, but I didn't have a lot to say about it. I thought it was really good. But... 
And I mean, she cares is like, okay, to be honest, whenever I hear this one come on, I'm just like, okay, sappy song and kind of like tune out for a little bit. Like it's, it's fine, but I don't, um, I don't know. Something just turns off. It is still upbeat and fun to listen to though. So. Yeah, I, I gotta say this, this one, it, um, am I about to sneeze? She cares. I really ended up disliking. For one thing, part of it is like the beat, which is sort of, I think they're going for more sort of like a, this little indie pop 80s thing with, you know, the acoustic guitar and the piano. That was nice. But then they randomly have guitar solos. And then yeah. The lyrics, <laughs> the lyrics are like this love story where the, this one Tommy Shaw is singing and he's not singing very well, I gotta say. And He's like, I was just this loser who shot his shot, and somehow I got the most beautiful girl. And then later on, I cheated on her, and she took me back. And that was like this. And then nothing really happens after that. And that was just a really weird narrative to leave at. She took me back after I cheated. That's like, Ugh. yeah. I, I would probably like it. I probably like it more if it was like some sort of artsy introspective band, and this was like commentary on being a terrible person. <laughs> you you know it's definitely not in this album, though. <laughs> I mean, they were trying for they were trying for more concepts. It just wasn't that concept. So, I'm, or maybe it was, and I just didn't connect it. But, yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. And also some of the lines on here, like, and she still treats me like a human. Romantic. No, right, like, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the one, and then when she's like, I don't quite understand it. She's been too fair. Somehow she cares. I guess that's the way it goes, the way that it goes. It's like, wow, deep introspection, man. Then he follows that up. And nobody knows what compels her. She's seen my highs, being a dork, and lows, adultery, and never let go. Yup. <laughs> that's a, that's that a pretty I'm... good summary. <laughs> it does sound pretty ridiculous that way. It, you can't see that I started to do the little Muppet anger flap. Yes! Yeah. Then after that little bit of excess, we talk about cocaine. Speaking of highs and lows. <laughs> what did you think of Snowblind? Um, I thought it, well, I mean, it's kind of tragic, but it's also funny musically because I feel like they very intentionally varied the, like, sound of the song. Um... Because the verses are kind of like slow and oh, alas, I can't do anything about this crippling addiction. And then the choruses are like more hard rock feel. Um, and I suspect that that may be, um, you know, that like highs and lows theme. It definitely felt that way. Um, 
in the historical, it's kind of like, oh no, this is so sad. What is what? What have they come to? <laughs> Which I always love when songs can kind of show musically what they're talking about lyrically. That's really cool. Yeah. But yeah, uh, crippling cocaine addiction, not cool. Don't do drugs, kids. Nope. Yeah. I wasn't it like huge either way on Snowblind. I will, I will say I was like sort of more of an interesting tone. It was a little bit more uncommercial and proggy than a lot of the album is. Mm-hmm. And like I don't know, just you know, it's a it's a radio rock eighty song about cocaine. Yeah. yeah, I do I do like that 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 is a good point though about like where it is in the narrative and. The downside. Yeah. Too much time on my hands and too much cocaine in my nose. Oh no! (laughs) (laughs) Yup. Do you have anything else on Snowblind or ready for. Not a lot. Yeah. I mean, I guess moving on to Half Penny, Two Penny. I mean, this is kind of. Oh gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. You know, it's it's the demise. This is the end of the theater. Alas, people are too greedy and money is a problem and um kind of does a good job tying together. I mostly honestly just notice the music. Like it does a good job tying together musical motifs from throughout the album as you're kind of heading out. Um <laughs> I think it's got some fond rhythms with the like happeny droopeny da 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 da. I like that part. Yeah. I definitely really like the guitar solos. Like those were a lot of fun. I think yeah. I honestly one of the strengths of Stick is this is a band. Like no matter where they are, they always make sure to try and shred a little bit in that little lady style. Yeah. It's also sort of an interesting like structural parallel to Rock in the Paradise, where Rock in the Paradise was the first song after the AD 1928, and this is the first song, last song before AD 1958, and whereas that one was like, you know, we're going to take everything back from the man. This is, the man has taken everything from us, and you know, it's all just bitter and burnt out. Yeah. So that was sort of a cool flip. Uh-huh. Yeah, I didn't even more. think about that. That is interesting. Yeah. I will say, despite the whole, the theater itself only showing up in like barely any of the music, like it actually has a pretty good structure as far as like the themes and everything developing. So good job for it. Like I usually sort of rag on concept albums in the classic rock realm for not actually sticking to the concept, but they did okay. They beat the Beatles. (laughs) There we go. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a fun time. And then you got, you know, 80, 1958, and this little instrumental state, straight Sadie thing to sort of wrap everything out. Um, and brings it to a nice, very uh, symmetrical close, which pleases me. <laughs> Caroline is pleased. 
Yeah, that was definitely that was definitely a really nice touch to end it on. Maybe and it sounds like another uh, old timey theater tune like you would hear in the way back in nineteen twenty eight when they started the theater. Yeah. Thematic tiebacks are just chef's kiss. Yeah. I I will although I do have a little fun fact about why it's a nineteen but nineteen fifty eight. Apparently, the Paradise Theater itself closed in 1956, and they were trying to, like, demolish it, but apparently it just turned out to be hardier than they expected, and it took a full two years to knock it all down, so that's why it's oh closed in 1956. It's like 80, 1958. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it makes it, I mean, 2858 is a lot cleaner, so I guess that worked out well for the album. <laughs> yeah. They actually took took longer to demolish it just so that this future album, you know, like 20 <laughs> years later, would sound better. <laughs> Thanks, architecture of <laughs> circa the stock market crash. <laughs> yup. They weren't going to let their buildings crash like the market. <laughs> Oof. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Overall, I would say that as 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 we've roasted pretty thoroughly, there are a lot of moments on the album that I wanted, you know, all like super great. There there were some moments that were kind of bad, but overall, it was pretty good. Like there were a lot of things that I could really point to and praise and be like, "That's a good moment. That's a well-made moment." But overall, good a world. I'd say. What do you think? Um, I like it. I mean, this is. Uh, like not favorite musically but like I think it's a fun album to talk about I do think it's a pretty good execution of the concept um for what it's worth I do admit that it is cheesy yeah yeah but yeah. it's fun it's upbeat I like it and yeah that about could, yeah that about covers it for uh, Sticks in Paradise Theater so stick around to hear our thoughts see the next episode, hear our thoughts about the Sisters of Mercy and Floodland. Oh yeah.